Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Secret Truths, Conspiracies Exposed. I'm your co-host, Scott Patton, along with Mark Willison. Hey, Mark, how are you doing today? I'm awesome. How are you doing, Scott? Well, it's actually, it's a sad day here where I am. It's the first day of the Olympics, and a young Olympic athlete was uh, uh, doing the luge, and he was doing a practice run, and he hit a, I understand he hit a 270-degree turn, which I guess means it's, it's uh, I don't know how, that's like almost a turn, I guess. Yeah. And uh, flying off off the track and off the leaves that he was on and uh, passed away. Oh, geez, that's terrible. Yeah, it was uh, not a good omen for the beginning of the Olympic Games and the president of, actually, I, there's a conspiracy here. Mind me if I don't come back to it. Uh, but the president of the Olympic Committee, or, or president of the Olympics, I'm not sure, actually, what and the president of the Vancouver 2010 Olympic Committee on TV at a press conference to basically have said they talked to the family of the athlete from Georgia and the USSR and I think that whoever leads the Olympic team for Georgia, right? And you could tell they were just absolutely, totally devastated. And I can imagine that, you know, when, when you're preparing for an event like this, boss, you would probably be going through every conceivable uh, situation you could think of, right? And I'm sure that uh, a young man early 20s, I'm not sure if he was even in his 20s, uh, dying during practice practice on the first day getting ready for this massive worldwide celebration uh, would be anywhere, it was just inconceivable, you could tell, he just said I, I, you know, I'm just totally unprepared for anything like this, my wildest dreams could not imagine something like this ever happening, you could tell me both uh, incredibly shaken. Yeah, and as we are all here too, right? Yeah, the poor guy, he was only uh, 21 years old. 21 years old, life is just amazing. And I hope that that the uh, his uh, the fellow his fellow athletes from from Georgia. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. Uh, I get his honor. Yeah, and, and you know, I gotta I gotta say, it sounds you know I. Yeah, at least he went out kind of doing doing what he loves to do. I think, uh, you know, I think that the, when you're in those high risk sports like that, uh, I think those, those guys kind of kind of know some of the some of the risks that they take, and and I think uh, you know, I, th- I think that's at least uh, you know, in, in my opinion, I, I would feel that that would be a better, you know, that'd be the kind of way that I would want to go as opposed to you know dying in a in an automobile accident or something unexpected like that, but but something where you're you know, you're in the moment doing what you love to do and you know, maybe uh, it's time maybe he uh, he's off to off to the better place for a good you know maybe uh, maybe a higher calling here. <laughs> yeah, I actually am just looking at a picture of a guy on a 
a luge. And these things are like little sleds that basically cover your back and your derriere. Absolutely, yeah. I was thinking it was one of these things that they jump into where you've got like a four-man or whatever. This is just like a single. There's nothing holding you on that thing. That's right. It's uh. (laughs) <laughs> that must be a wild ride. I mean, I see those bobsled guys. That's exciting enough. But uh, when you're on the luge, you're on your back. You can barely even see. You know, you're trying to get yeah. your head on your back, and you're trying to look down your nose and see see the turns coming up ahead. I mean, that has got to be just quite the adrenaline rush. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. So <clears throat> there, this brings up a uh, there's. A conspiracy theory that I, I want to just briefly touch on because I know we, we want to get to uh, to our main topic and I, I don't want to deviate too much, but uh, there's a, a lot of people wondering like who owns the Olympics, right? Sure. And who actually are them and everything else, and and I don't want to get into that whole thing this time. And and maybe you know if anyone anyone listening has got comments or questions or whatever, and we will certainly delve into it at another time. But I, I have a question for you. Sure. Okay, Mark. If you were, let's pretend that you're a reporter, because I wanted to have the exact same situation that I just observed not 20 minutes ago. Okay. Okay. All right. So you're a reporter. You're used to doing your reporting, you know, and you're you're in the press gallery and you're used to asking questions, right? Sure. Okay. So let's suppose that uh, John Doe is the president of Coca-Cola. Okay. Okay, and he's made some sort of announcement or whatever, and somebody said, "Okay, we'll take questions." When uh, and you put up your hand to ask a question, and when you ask your question, how would you address the president of Coca-Cola, Mr. John Doe? Um. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, my first, my you know, my first re- initial response would have would have been to address him as Mr. President, you know. But I think that's a little, uh, a little bit too, well, probably probably a little out of place, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So let's suppose it was Steve Jobs from Apple, right? Yeah, I think I'd probably be. I would just address him as as Mr. Jobs. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, okay. Or something right. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. So let's say it's the the guy who's the president of Disney. Okay. Mister, how would you how would you? Yeah. Same. The same thing, Mister. Same thing. Mister. Uh, Mister. Whatever his last name I, is. I th- it used to be Eisner, but I don't yeah. think it is anymore. Right. Right. You know. Okay. So I mean, normally, I think I kind of set you up a little bit because I kept emphasizing this guy was the president, the president, the president. Right. right? And. Uh, I'm the same way, you know. If I I think if we were to watch 50 press conferences with 50 presidents of companies, that the question would be, Mr. Jobs, will the iPod really play music? Uh, Mr. Eisner, is Mickey Mouse ever going to marry? Minnie Mouse. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. I mean, it would be Mr. whatever the person's name is, Mr. whatever the person's name sure. is. And what struck me about this press conference was they took questions, and the uh, and I would have to, all of the questions were addressed to the president of the Olympics, like not the person who's the president of Van, uh, Vancouver 2010. Right. 
who put it on. Okay, so this is the guy theoretically in charge of the Olympics, like the big kahuna. Okay. And it was all Mr. President, blah, 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 blah. It could be that they said that because they couldn't pronounce his name. <laughs> but, but you have to assume that if you're a, a reporter and you're covering the Olympics, you know how to say the president of the Olympics' name, right? Because you'd be hoping to have that interview, and it would be pretty embarrassing not to be able to say his name. Absolutely. But they took three or four or five questions, and all of them were Mr. President. And I have to tell you that I was, I felt like, uh, you know in the White House when uh, Barack Obama comes up and, and says whatever he has to say and the press asks questions? Right. That's what it felt like to me. It was like, it was like... Very, for, you know, very formal and very high level, huh? It, yeah, like the highest level, right? Because... You know, just we don't call the presidents of companies pres- Mr. President. <laughs> no, not at all. We never do. But here was the president of the Olympics being called Mr. President on worldwide TV. Right? Wow. And, you know, if you watch the news today, uh-huh. uh, uh, or I guess you'll have to go to YouTube to see the conference. If I mean, you, Mark, can watch the news today. Sure. Everybody else will have to wait till this, this actually gets published. But... Uh, you know, you just watch that conference, and you can see how upset they are and everything else. But it's incredibly interesting to me that they said, "Mr. President, you know, uh, how does this impact the Georgia athletes?" or whatever the questions were. It was always, "Mr. President," and ask the question. "Mr. President," ask the question, and that's not something that we would, I believe. I mean, now I'm going to watch closely, right? Like I'm going to go and I'm going to sure. see if I can see some question and answers with Steve Jobs and. And Walt Disney and you know the president of NBC and all the rest of it, but I, it just is not in my experience. It's just it's like I, I know Mr. Prime Minister, you know, because the guy is the leader of Canada, right? right? Or, or uh, Your Majesty, you know, if it's the Queen of England, and Mr. President, if you're the president of the United States, uh, El Dictator, if you're in South America. No, I'm just kidding. Right. But you know, <laughs> it, it's just not so that. It makes it really interesting to me in terms of you know really what what are the Olympics and what is their purpose and and uh, I know there's some kind of mysteries around them anyway but I just thought wow like this is a so pretty interesting organization when the press address the president that way so is this uh, this is President Jacques Rogue Rog R O G G E is how I'm how it looks like it's spelled here on the internet. Yeah, I'll have to. We'll have to do a little research and find out who this guy is and what his background is. And uh, now, I, maybe uh, <laughs> if I was a reporter, I'd be trying to ask the other Mr. Pre- you know, President Obama. You know, how do you feel about this? Is he, you know, what kind of, uh, you know, how does that, how does that make you feel to be president of the United States on the same level as the president of the Olympic Committee? He might be honored. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, that, that may very well be. <laughs> hey, we're playing with the big boys. Exactly. Exactly. Well, obviously, he's a he's an influential person. I mean, he's, uh, you know, yeah. the Olympic Committee is, is dealing with all the different countries of the world, and some of them, uh, some of them are better, some of them are friendlier than, than others, I suppose. And so I just think that that's... Well, yeah. I think that that's yeah. uh, maybe he is a maybe he is an ultra connected you know top of a government kind of kind of level guy. 
Yeah, well, you're just when you were saying that, it just reminded me of the UN. Like perhaps from the from a sporting perspective, this is uh, you know looked at as on a similar level to to the UN, which is a like a non-governmental organization as well. Sure. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's now, do they have an actual president of the UN, like uh, somebody that's secretary general? Secretary general. Huh. I'll have to do a little investigation on who that who that gentleman is as well. I'm sure that that uh, I'm sure that there's uh, some correlations between some of our topics and then and what's uh, what's happening what's happening with the UN and and the world politics right now. Right, right. Oh, I'm sure there is. So, so anyway, that's what's happening in the world of sports, and uh, I think now we should segue into what's happening in the world of entertainment. Yes. Did you see that uh, they got the new Wolfman movie coming out? I've heard that's coming out. With, uh, with Anthony Hopkins, and uh, it looks, you know, from the trailers that I've seen so far, it looks like it's going to be, be scary. Um, a little bit uh, a little bit more of an edge than the, you know, the Twilight movies or any of that stuff that's been coming out lately. Right. There's been a lot of uh, movies coming out, it seems, with you have the Harry Potter and the Magic. There are Worlds in there and Shapeshifters in there, and then you've got... Uh, the Twilight movies, which I haven't seen, and I'm not the market. I'm too old. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, but I did see Avatar, which was another, which was an interesting one on shape shifting in terms of, uh, you know, remote controlling something that's grown like the the native uh, beings. Oh and, yeah. Uh, and controlling it, but then at the end, of course, he shifts his consciousness from himself to uh, to his avatar uh, body. So. I guess that qualifies. Yeah, that's. I think that's. I think it's pretty pretty fascinating stuff because, uh, you know, with all the changes that are that are happening uh, across the galaxy and in our in our solar system specifically, um, you know, when people talk about that human beings only use maybe ten percent of their brain, uh, you know, I always like to think about well, what's the other ninety percent there for? You know, are we going to have psychic abilities? Am I going to be able to? You know, time travel in my head, and you know, uh, go back in time and change the past, or go into the future and see what's going to happen, so I can come back and you know, place uh, place some trades on the stock market or something. Or, but I never, I never really considered with too much, uh, with too much belief that uh, that people could actually do, you know, do shape shifting and stuff. And mm. and then I started digging, you know, I started. Seeing, you know, I'm seeing the, the movie trailer for the Wolfman and started uh, diving into the history of the werewolves and stuff a little bit. And turns out that uh, the, the the ancient cultures used to believe the sorcerer, you know, the powerful sorcerers and sorceresses could literally uh, change their shape into, you know, into a wolf or into a a bat or a or a cat of some sort, and um, you know, gain gain you know gain uh, be able to harness the powers of those of those various creatures, and I always, you know, I, God, wouldn't that wouldn't that be a, an amazing kind of thing, you know, to have the power of, of the animals and be able to not just, you know, think your own, you know think your own thoughts and have your imagination that could create whatever you want, but to literally, you know, change your the form that you're in and the the power, the skill that you have in different forms, I think is. That would be, you know, that would be really cool. 
That would be amazing. Could you imagine being an eagle? I, I was just going to say, man, I'd love to turn into something that could fly. <laughs> <laughs> I love the flying scenes in Avatar. Holy smokes. Yeah, especially in 3D, man. That'll make you almost sick to your stomach, even. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't get much real than that, that's for sure. Right. Well, it's it's interesting. I, I've heard that, you know, we used... I actually... A friend of mine says, I think it's probably closer to 2%. And I wonder... First of all, I wonder how they come up with that number. And secondly, um, I... Part of me says, well, is is that the conscious part of our mind that we're using or a conscious part of our brain that we're using? And because, like, I, know, I don't remember ever telling my heart to beat, right? Oh, right. You better, you know, have a beat, right? Sure. So there's a whole pile of things that happen on our subconscious level. And I wonder sometimes if that's not, like, 50 to 70% of the missing 90%, Right. Right, and then I have a, and I have another friend that said, "Well, actually, you know, if you could use ten percent of your brain, you'd probably burn out your head." <laughs> so, <laughs> there's so much in there. So I would, I would, I don't know what to think of that of using the brain thing, and the, and I really do believe that. Uh, well, there was a shape shifting event that occurred uh, in uh, in my life about uh, two weeks ago. Oh, really? Yeah, I never actually thought about this until until uh, just now, in ter- in terms of actually being a real thing, uh-huh. right? But uh, my invited four of our friends, two of her friends, two of my friends, over for dinner on a Saturday night. And I have to tell you that we haven't done that in a long time, and it's a really enjoyable time when the TV is off and you've got six people none of whom really know each other very well, except like, I might, I knew one of them really, I knew two of them, three of them really well, but three of them I didn't know at all. And uh, so you end up, you know, having conversations that you have no idea where the conversations are going or what's going to happen. And it was just really fun and an enjoyable thing, right? Sure. And as we were sitting around eating dinner, my girlfriend has a, a dog. He's about 16 years old. He's... Uh, probably eight inches off the ground. No, maybe a foot off the ground. I mean, he's a small dog, right? Little, any furry thing. Right. Milo's his name. And uh, so we're sitting, and she screams. We're sitting at dinner, eating, chatting, blah, blah, blah. She screams, just flips everybody out. And she says, there's a cat under the table. <laughs> 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 Doors are all locked. You know, there's been no cat around here forever, right? As long as I, I know, right? Right. And she says, it's it's my old cat. And I guess she'd had a cat years and years and years ago. And it had brushed against her leg. Oh, wow. the table. And she'd seen, she'd glanced and seen a bit of it. And so I jumped up t- to go around the table. And when I did, so there's a poly, a poly, a polygeist? Where you know spirits throw things. Sure, we had that experience too, right? Whoa. Because I walked, I walked around the table, and I, I think I hit something and knocked my empty beer glass off and smashed it, right? But and I, and you know these things all happen fast, and then we go, oh well, this is you know this it was me that did it, or it was wasn't really a cat, or, or you know we justify all this stuff with our ego. But I thought about it afterwards, and this, and I really don't think that. 
that given the angles and everything that everything was at, that the glass could have ended up where it ended up if it had been just me being super clumsy. Right? Oh, wow. You know, and the fact of the matter is, is it happened right after the cat, and I had gone and walked this path, because I was sort of at the back of the room, like seven or eight times while we were all sitting down, you know, and never did it. So why did I do it this one time? Like, you know, okay, maybe I did, but it wouldn't have gone where it went, to, where it wouldn't have fallen where it fell and uh, and smashed. So I, I think that we had this, we just had this sort of psychic phenomenon happen and this glass flew off and this cat came. And when we looked under the table, uh, there was Milo. And he sort of walks out, right? So she saw a cat go under and a sure. dog come out. And it's easy to say, you know, she she was wrong, she was mistaken, she was this, she was that, right? Sure. But, you know, she's had Milo for six years. And she hasn't had a cat for, I don't know how many years, but more than six. And what is the chance of her making that mistake? Yeah, it's, uh, they're pre- <laughs> I think it's quite, Not, quite the long shot, actually. Yeah, like, it really is, it's, you know, it's crazy that she said it, but it's crazier to think that she doesn't know the difference. Right, right. right. And... Uh, you know, and why would that have popped? I mean, if it, you know, maybe she had a, you know, the spirit of her cat came and visited her and 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 kind of just, you know, put her off a little bit or something, right? I don't know, right? But uh, you know, I think I think back on it and I think, you know, what, old Milo, he just sort of turned into a cat, brushed her leg, you know, maybe he was visited by the spirit of her original cat. And we, I mean, she knew the cat, sure, right? Sure. Like it was. She said that, and I forget the name. That was. Who went under? And Milo comes out. Wow! <laughs> what a trippy experience. Yeah, yeah, it was. And then, and I think the cat just, you know, I'll just show you. I really was here. Throws a glass. Right, right. <laughs> I happen to walk by the glass as it happens, and everyone thinks I'm super clumsy, right? <laughs> and, and she could have been mistake. She could have just glanced, saw something move, thought it was her cat for some reason, and, and it wasn't. And I might be, you know, super clumsy running around when she said, "Oh, there's a cat on the table." Going to sort of see what was going on and 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 hit it. I mean, I'm not, I, you know, who knows, right? If we had a uh, if we had a uh, motion capture high speed camera filming the whole thing, then you know we could say for sure, but we don't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no instant replays. That I guess is what I'm saying, right? Well, I've often wondered, uh, you know, do, um, you know, one of my one of my friends, his, his mom just died recently, and so we've been kind of discussing some of, you know, like the afterlife and what happens, you know, do people have a soul and what happens to your soul, and and somehow the, you know, we got to, we got to talking about about our animals, and mm-hmm. do we, you know, what do we believe about the animal spirits, and and you know, he has. Uh, you know, he kind of has a belief that um, about about things, you know, humans being uh, unique in the in the fact that we have a soul that can you know continue in the afterlife and and all that kind of stuff. And I thought I thought about it, and I was thinking, you know, wow, God, it's, it does it doesn't sound like you know I can't imagine heaven for myself and being there without having my dogs. And so, mm-hmm. so in my mind, I thought, well, you know, it's a, it's not even a question. You know, obviously, animals have just as much of a spirit as 
as people do. Maybe it's not as powerful or or whatever, but I believe that it exists. And I certainly believe, you know, when you look at the different uh, characters that different animals have, you know, like certainly uh, certainly two different dogs are, you know, even of the same breed might have completely different personalities. For sure. And it was just fascinating to to discuss that and say, well, where does their personality come from? I mean, they're the same type of dog and from the same family, and yet they're they're just like people in in their variation and their differences. And I was like, well, you know, how, how do you explain that if there's if it's not something, you know, if it's not what's really on the inside that makes them different? Well, what the heck is it then? And it was uh, it was a funny conversation. He didn't know, you know, we kind of didn't know what to say after that. It just left us pondering, and you know, mm-hmm. it was a, it was a food for thought. Yeah, yeah, it's a deep it's a deep question, and. Uh, Yeah, it's that's a that's I have to really think about that one a little bit. <laughs> I what comes to my mind actually is uh, I don't know if this is related or not, but in today's newspaper there was a Dilbert cartoon and they had done some stuff and they basically had killed the boss. Uh-huh. And uh, so he's he's like dead and he's in front of his desk, you know, kind of like St. Peter's, right? Sure. At the pearly gates, except it's not, right? Right. And he says, uh, am I dead? Is this uh, heaven? And the guy says, uh, no, uh, uh, the angels and demons have outsourced uh, <laughs> to us. We call this helven. Helven. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he says, so, and I forget, the, the boss asked some sort of question, and I, I think, you know, and uh, I maybe have the order of it wrong, but he asks another question. And the guy says, "Well, you get a harp, but you're not going to be very happy with how we give it to you." <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I think there's a there's definitely more than just the uh, this physical realm that we exist in. I think there's no doubt about that, and how it all relates and. Whether it applies to the to the animals and the trees and the plants as much as and the planets as much as it does to us, is, I would find it hard to believe it doesn't. But uh, I have no firsthand knowledge of that. Right. Well, I uh, you know that video that we were we were talking about last time on our show. It was uh, the the Neo video Neo from the Matrix. Yes. You know, I've been, uh, I watch that video again and I was thinking about this stuff and trying to, you know, trying to really dive into the whole, uh, the whole subject of, of Hollywood and their influence and, um, yeah, I guess their influence in, in Hollywood and how, you know, how, how, how is it that all of these movie scripts seems to be, you know, coming out with, you know, kind of a, Kind of a unique, kind of a theme that you can see is uh, is correlating with you know correlating with a, a bigger message, if you will. They have a lot of things in common, mm-hmm. and so I started. I, you know, there's a little clip on that video, and it had to do with Lone Gunman, which was a sequel to the X Files TV TV series. Right, that was and those three guys. It, that this, yeah, that's a. The three, three guys the three that Mulder would always... Yeah, exactly. So, 
talk, you know, that they in, in their pilot episode for this Lone Gunman TV show, and you can find it if you just type YouTube, just type in Lone Gunman 9/11. It actually uh, they experience a scenario where literally they, you know, they have terrorists that are hijacking airplanes and going to fly right into the World Trade Center. Wow. And it's, you know, pretty fascinating because well, I was obviously through the through that tragic event. I can remember during the 9-11 commission that came out afterwards, everybody acted like they were so completely surprised. Well, my God, how could anybody possibly think that terrorists would do such a thing? Right. And it turns out that, you know, this this TV, TV series pilot episode aired several months before the actual event happened. And what, what a coincidence, huh? Yeah, the guy, you know, one of the actors on the series is actually, he did an interview with Alex Jones, who's a, uh, you know, he's a pretty prominent big brother conspiracy guy. Mm-hmm. And Alex is interviewing him about this subject, and the guy's like, well, yeah, you know, I mean, we did a TV pilot on this thing. And from what I understand, the CIA and, uh, you know, the uh, the FBI and, and the different defense, you know, the, the branches of the Defense Department, they actually had, you know, they have different scenarios, you know, like what do we do if uh, if an earthquake happens or a, a tsunami happens or a terrorist attack happens? And so they go through and they play these little uh, play these little scenarios out and try to, you know, try to figure out what the heck they would actually do if one of these situations happened in life. And it turns out that the 9-11 situation was... You know, they had been practicing for that situation over and over again. Hmm. And they they thought, well, found out that uh, when 9-11 actually happened, that all of the people, you know, that there were lots of groups of people who were organized and prepared, you know, to respond in a certain situation, but that they were literally told, this is a drill, you know, don't don't worry about it, we're, we're just going, you know, kind of like when you hear on your on the radio when you're driving in your car and they do like the, the the beeping noise and they test their emergency broadcast system they did this apparently they did the same thing on 9-11 they issued the little little test tone and said this is a this is a test of our emergency preparedness system and so all of the people that were you know supposed to be preparing for this situation were basically you know kind of in sort of a way told to stand down but hey, this is just a drill, you know, it's it's not a big deal, you don't need to worry about it. And of course come to come to find out it it was real and because nobody you know, nobody believed it, um, you know, we were left left exposed and, and got you know, got hit you know, got hit really bad. Wow. I, That's unbelievable, eh? It, it makes it really makes you wonder, you know, it's like how do you how could you possibly Leave an investigation that says, "Well, you know, we had we had no knowledge of this subject, and we had no idea that somebody would try and do this." And then you have, you know, people on the other side that are saying, "Well, you know, we know you guys have FBI had reports that Bin Laden was going to try and do this," and you know, they say, "Well, maybe that report didn't get into the right person's hands, and you know, the left hand wasn't talking to the right hand, and we had this major communication problem." But then you go and you see that they had a, you know, a television episode on TV 
that have the exact same scenario play out. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, obviously... You know they watch TV. Yeah, nothing else. TV, somebody, you know, lots of, lots of people had to collaborate to come together for the television show. And, I mean, really? Like, that's, like nobody in the FBI was watching the TV show and thought that that could actually happen? Or, and we find it hard to believe that writers and directors in Hollywood could be smarter than the FBI and the CIA. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, I mean, it definitely definitely makes me question the sincerity and, and and legitimacy of of their claims. And if you know, if they're maybe not telling the whole story on on that particular uh, specific aspect of the situation. It make it you know it makes me more curious to say well I wonder what else is you know doesn't really doesn't really fit in with with the story and then of course you you start diving into it and you you find that building number seven you know we know that building number seven collapsed but yes. but we we know that there was no airplane that hit it, that hit building number seven that maybe it was a uh, uh, eagle that transformed into a plane and nobody noticed. I have no idea. <laughs> all I all I know is that uh, you know I've I, I I've never seen any conclusive. You know I've seen lots of conspiracy documentaries that have to do with 9/11, and I've seen several of them that debunk all the different conspiracies that are out there. And I think yeah. um, a lot of them are a lot of the conspiracies that exist are yeah, probably not based on very scientific you know fact, and maybe a little bit shaky ground that that they're based on, but but I, you know, it's like I'm not, a, I'm not an engineer or a demolitions expert or a rocket scientist by any means. But how the heck does a building collapse if nothing hit it? Mm-hmm. And I, well, then that building that you're talking about is a very interesting building. It's not an ordinary everyday building, which of course most people just think, well, it's you know, it was right beside one of the towers that collapsed, and so it probably just collapsed because you know something from there hit it. Right. That building, every every city has an emergency plan so that if you get hit by a tornado or a hurricane or a tidal wave or an earthquake, there's something that... I mean, could you imagine living in San Francisco and going to the mayor of San Francisco and saying, uh, Mayor, what happens if uh, there's an earthquake? And he goes, oh, I don't know. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. You know, where I live in Vancouver, we have a building... And we all, a lot of us were wondering, like, what's this building? Right, it's a very nondescript building. And then finally, somebody said, well, that's the building where the mayor goes if there's a major catastrophe and coordinates the rescue operations. Gotcha. So, in New York, on the 23rd floor of that building is where the mayor of New York goes when there is an emergency to coordinate everything and you can imagine it's got the latest greatest most up to date you name it so no matter what he's able to get a hold of the police chief and the fire chief and all those sort of people right the sure. president and everything else and the windows are like you know I, I don't know I mean I don't know the exact words they used to describe it but it was basically nothing could get through those windows right sure and uh, during this emergency the mayor was nowhere near the 23rd floor of this building. And a good thing, too, because he would have gone down with the building. Right, right? yeah, absolutely. But but it makes you kind of wonder, right? Like, you know, part of me goes, well, you know, if I was, if my emergency room 
was looking at a building that was falling and probably not want to be there too. But, you know, so right. you know, I kind of did debunks of the conspiracy thing. But on the other hand, you know, what is the chances that my emergency room that's supposed to be like the safest place right. is, is not only is it right in the middle of two major buildings falling over, but also falls over. Like, give me a break, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it makes you wonder what the heck are they, you know, what's really going on inside that building and, yeah. and what is it? Well, there's a rumor that that's where all the evidence for Enron was. Oh, for the big uh, for the big scandal there, and all the yeah, all the money. And, you that, know, wow. I don't know. Nobody's been talking about Enron for a long time, right? Yeah, I don't know if anybody ever uh, ended up getting prosecuted for that. Or I, I, actually, I think the one guy, you know, the big guy, he did he did do some jail time, but uh, clearly this wasn't you know Enron wasn't a, a solo operation. There must have been you know many many people involved on many different levels. And uh, yeah, if that's if that's the place where they had a bunch of you know all the information and the files and the investigation reports and everything like all that kind of information about the situation, boy, that might that might be a, that that might be very convenient for some people that uh, that that information is no longer available. Mhm. That's right. So, and that building also had uh, major CIA and FBI offices, a whole bunch of other organizations like that had offices. So, you know, it would be very convenient if you wanted to get rid of information that you might not want other people to see. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, that's just a theory. Right? <laughs> yeah, nothing, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to really put any, put any 100% certainties on this stuff when, when, you know, when nobody will talk about it, you know, they... They basically, no yeah, one, they say that the... No one will answer the questions, yeah. That's right, and, you know, that's what always frustrates, you know, that's what always frustrates me. You could tell, you know, little kids on the playground, you know, when they don't want to tell you something, you know they're hiding something. It's not, it's really, really obvious, and, you know, I don't think that that changes into adulthood if somebody says, oh, well, you know, I'm not, you know, we're not going to answer that question, or, or they just, you know, don't say that they're not going to answer it, but they completely avoid it altogether. Well, and th what makes me really upset is when the reporters won't ask the question, right? Right. Like, or they won't they won't do the research, right? Like you're having a uh, um, emergency drill about planes running into buildings, right? The same day that planes run into buildings, and then Constantine Rice gets up there and says, "Who could ever imagine this?" Well, you were having a, a drill on the same topic, the exact same topic. That's so how could you say you couldn't imagine it, right? And can you imagine being one of the employees, that, you know, if you worked for the CIA or if you worked for some intelligence agency and you knew that this, you know, you're like, hey, wait a minute, we went through this drill like three times. Are you kidding me? And to not be able to come forward and say that for, you know, a risk of losing your job and family and your entire career over it, that, that's, uh, yeah, that definitely definitely gets me gets me fired up it just reminds me of the whole Bill Clinton situation and you're like you know, everybody knew he was totally full of it and totally lying and yet you know he just kept on going with it and they never asked him the hard questions and they, and they dragged it out for months and months and months but at least in that case they actually you know they tried to get to the bottom of it but it's yes. with the 9-11 scenario it's 
you know, they, they just stonewalled the whole thing and then paid it and said, well, that's, that's enough of that. And before you know it, they, we had some celebrity gossip news that was, that was all, you know, taking the taking center stage and people just tended to forget about it. And, you know, like, it still, it still really frustrates me. I think that, well, where's Osama bin Laden? I mean, have we caught this guy yet? Are we going to catch this guy yet? Is anybody, anybody looking for him? And, I mean, what do you guys need? Do you need me to get on Google and find out where this guy is? Or, you know, what, what can we do to help you guys here? Because clearly you're not getting, not getting it done. Yeah, you're not that serious about it. Yeah. Bomb, you mean, just look at every place that's been bombed. Not ever been any, any of those places, as far as we know, right? Exactly. And uh, you know, I mean, to know that, I mean, we know for a fact that he, you know, the United States and the CIA trained him to, you know, to fight against the Russians when the Russians were trying to invade Afghanistan. And so clearly, he has, you know, ties to uh, some of our, some of our methodology, if nothing else. He at least probably knows some of the ways that we think. And. Uh, you know, it's like, it's just, maybe it really makes me wonder, you know, if he's, what the heck is he doing or running around out there? I mean, you know, is he really running around out in a, in a cave somewhere? And if he is, you know, how come we, well, we were able to go find Saddam Hussein. And, you know, he was in a little hole out in the middle of the desert somewhere. And so I, I, I don't know. That definitely... Definitely, uh, there's a lot of... You're not buying it, are you? Yeah, not really. I... I got to. I got to admit, it's a little sketchy for me, for me to just find how much. Cool. All right. Well, Mark, I think we've come to uh, the end of another exciting episode of Secret Truths, Conspiracies Exposed. Hopefully, we've got you thinking of things a little bit differently than you were before. Absolutely. Any. Uh, any last words before we sign off for this week? Oh, for all you guys out there that are listening, please uh, please send us your comments and your suggestions, and you know, let us let us know what you what you would like us to talk more about, or if you have any ideas of of uh, things that you want to learn more about, please please send us an email. Drop by uh, secrettruths.com and and let us know what you think. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Yep. Have a great one. Bye-bye.